Good evening, everyone. Um, as Sarah said, my name is Jo, and uh, I serve on the leadership team here. But in my day job, I'm a geography teacher. I need to... T yeah, never had that reaction before. Um, I need to tell you that, because when Ellen you know, spoke to me about speaking this evening, and we talked about a theme, we talked a little bit about maybe me talking about sort of something to do with creation care, creation discipleship, and I was like, I'm really happy to do that, but there's a risk it turns into a geography lesson. So welcome to a geography lesson. Um, so this evening we're going to look at this um, verse from Micah and we're going to talk a little bit about how that might apply or how it might help us think about this idea of creation care and creation discipleship. Now, it's great to be talking about this because I don't think it would be that long ago that I wouldn't have been giving this sermon. Environmental issues are much more on our radar now than they have been in the past and we're more aware of how what we do impacts on the planet and it's hard to avoid hearing about the consequences of this. And as Christians, we need to engage with that and respond to issues which are important within our context and culture. So a few examples from the last couple of weeks, just to show you what the kind of things I mean. Um, you might know this day was a couple of weeks ago, Earth Overshoot Day. That's the day where we've used up all the resources that Earth produces in a year. And then we're kind of living on borrowed time, if you like, for the rest of the year after that. Now, we have kind of been, for ages, that day was getting earlier and earlier in the year. Now it's staying about the same, so... Sort of good news, but that's one example. Um, something from a few days before. I don't know if any of you have seen this. This is Reading Football Club's new kit. Anyone know what's special about it? No. Oh, so the sleeve. You see the stripes on the sleeve? That is a, a visual representation of each the extreme temperature in each year. Red is hotter, blue is cooler. This is the beginning of when Reading Football Club started, and this is now, so you can see the temperatures getting hotter. It's like quite a well-known climate change visual, and they decided to put it on their kit. Interesting. Um, or I can talk about the heat wave. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> um, the heat wave, uh, an unprecedented extreme heat wave. Maybe you thought unprecedented was a word just for the pandemic, but we've had actually two unprecedented weather events this year. Storm Eunice earlier in the year was also unprecedented because it was our first ever red weather warning. Um, but I'm not going to unpack so much about how we're damaging the planet or specifically what we can do about it, but I want to use this verse from Micah to discuss some of the um, ways that we engage with and respond to these issues. Because our call to care for the planet is more more than just protecting the planet or just glorifying God as we rejoice in his creation. It is about those things, but it's also about our wider call to discipleship, our call to look after the least and the last, our call to promote justice, and also it helps us with our daily walk with God as well. So the first instruction is to act justly. So what does justice mean when we're thinking in a biblical context? Well, we know that God is just. We know that God brings justice. He's fair to all, regardless of their background. And we know that justice is an inherent part of his character. The top verse up there tells us that, Isaiah 40, verse 14. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And whom taught him the way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? God is inherently just. And in the Bible, justice is often used in the context of judgment for our sin or also judgments made in the court in a just way, both with an 
emphasis on being impartial and being fair, but there's also a particular emphasis on justice for the oppressed, for the orphan, and for other people groups. These two verses at the bottom there kind of demonstrate that. So learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And from James, the religion that our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So we have this idea that justice is about fair or equitable treatment of others, but we also pay particular attention to how the most vulnerable are treated. And I think, therefore, justice can be a little bit challenging and even slightly confusing because we're saying we're promoting equality or equity, but we're putting an emphasis on supporting the people that are most in need uh, because our starting points aren't the same. And therefore, the way we treat people in order to get justice or in order to be just is kind of unfair or different. And that can be a bit challenging or sometimes even jarring when we talk about justice. There's a tension between making things fair because in order to do that, we sort of have to be unfair. I'm going to use a little clip to demonstrate what I'm talking about because I think it's a little bit confusing. Um, and you might have seen a, an example like this done before, a little model. This clip isn't like amazing, and I'm not unpacking all the statements that it says. It's also quite American, um, which is funny because it's talking about justice, but it's like a little bit um, American-centric. But it'll give you an idea of, of the kind of thing that I mean. So, so watch. Parents work nights and weekends to support your family. Take one step back. If you can show affection for your romantic partner in public without fear of ridicule or violence, take one step forward. If you are embarrassed about your clothes or house while growing up, take one step back. If you have ever been diagnosed as having a physical or mental illness or disability, take one step back. If you have ever been bullied or made fun of based on something you can't change, take one step back. If you get time off for your religious holidays, take one step forward. If you came from a supportive family environment, if you can see a doctor whenever you feel the need, if you are able to move through the world without fear if of you sexual took out assault, loans for your education, if there were more than 50 books in your house for Okay, so you get the idea. Um, the people started at the same point, but then they talked about some different things in their background, and people took forwards, uh, steps forwards or backwards. And we kind of start to see people don't have the same starting point. It may seem that way, but actually our circumstances, our background affect where we're starting from. And I think that's that we have to include that when we're talking about justice, the fact that our starting points are not the same. And climate change and environmental issues, the kind of topic I'm focusing on, they affect the poor and the marginalised disproportionately, and they will continue to do so in the future. So not only does the justice that the Bible talks about have a special focus for marginalised people, which it does, we sometimes at CBC might refer to that as the last and the least, um, but when we're thinking about creation care, it's doubly important that we do that, because not we don't feel the consequences of our own actions so severely as the poor and the marginalised do. So what does acting justly look like in this context? Well, I think it's more about perspective than specific actions, although I hope that our perspective will spur us into action, and we might talk about that a little bit later on. We will be doing a little bit of discussion and takeaway at the end. Um, but let's talk about perspective, and I'm going to give you a little bit of geography here. A key concept in geography is sustainability. Um, just for one second, I'd like you to maybe tell somebody near you a word that springs into your mind when you hear sustainable or sustainability. Off you go. <laughs> Great. Okay, maybe like 
three people could shout their word out. Anyone? Long term, nice. Recycling. Refilled, I like that. Yeah, okay. Um, great. So, that, great. Those are all true. I do that at school, and kids say things like eco friendly and the environment, which are all true and relevant. But actually, sometimes we don't know what sustainability really means, and it's a really helpful term, and I think it's going to help us um, with our perspective. So, this is the actual definition of sustainability it is meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So, there is the element of long term. It is about the environment, but it's not just about the environment. It's a very well-crafted definition, and it's very helpful. And it's helpful for a few reasons. It negates really impractical solutions. So, again, at school, whenever I talk about sustainability, what happens is somebody says, we should just ban cars. And it's like, oh, well, okay, that probably isn't actually going to help us meet our needs right now. Um, and also, it kind of removes some of our guilt, because we're allowed to meet our needs. So, an example is, I drive my car to work, and that makes me a bit sad but I don't really have an alternative at the moment because of where I live and where I work. So I have to accept that that's okay and make a longer-term plan that will hopefully mean I won't need to use my car to get to work in the future. So it kind of removes some of our guilt as well in the way that it's worded. It's helpful for us, I think, because it mirrors the tone of what we see God commanding in the Bible. When we think about love your neighbour as yourself, the tone of this is, is in there. This reminds us that our neighbour is our global neighbour, but also our future neighbours as well. So acting justly, I think, means considering how we live sustainably, how we can take and use what we actually need rather than taking because we can or taking because we want. And we can take the concept a little bit further. You might not be able to see the words on there, and that's okay. Um, but sustainability isn't actually just about the environment. So it has three lenses, social, environment, and economic. And when the three sort of intersect, that's when you have something that's really sustainable. Um, and that's because we can't separate environmental issues from their impacts on people and their impacts on their livelihoods, which is partly why I'm bringing you this message this evening, if you like. I'm really passionate about looking after the planet, but also knowing that part of the reason we do that is to look after and care for people well. It makes complete sense that God's narrative for the planet would be a sustainable one. And we can see that in lots of ways in the Bible. But one example is the concepts of Sabbath and Jubilee that are in the Old Testament in Leviticus 25, where we see God require the Israelites to let the land recover for a year, every seventh year. That's to help the um, harvest be better, give the land uh, a break. But also, after seven times seven years, the people had to have a year of Jubilee. That was a Sabbath year, but a year also where land and property that was bought had to be returned to the original owners, kind of wiping out the debts, resetting, um, and reminding the people that the land belonged to God and not to people. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we all should be doing that and returning things every 50 years, but we can see this idea of sort of sustainability, the idea of meeting needs now, but also considering the needs of people in the future, it fits with what we see in the Bible. So I'm not going to unpack in loads of detail how we might live more sustainably today, although we'd love to chat about that later. Um, but I hope this principle, this idea of sustainability, might help us consider how we can use what we actually need in a sustainable way and act justly in the way that we do that. Okay, so our second instruction from the verse is to love mercy. So mercy means to show compassion on those whom it is within our power to punish or harm. And in the Bible, it's mostly used in the context of God showing mercy to us. 
and sometimes in the context of fights or battles. But this evening, I want us to think about our attitude towards uh, others on the planet and how that needs to be a merciful one, which is quite a challenging thing. And it is a bit uncomfortable to think that there may be people who it is within our power to harm. And I'm not saying the power responsibility is all ours, absolutely not. Corporations and government have a big role to play. But I believe that for us, loving mercy is partly considering where our choices may be harming others, even if it's unintentional or unknowingly. God's created a planet that's beautifully interconnected and interdependent. We've sung about some of that this evening already. And we could think about that in so much depth, about how God's character and vision for creation should live in harmony because of the interconnectedness. But what that also means is that our impacts here have consequences elsewhere. And I'm going to show you a really obvious example of that using a map. Happy days. Uh, here's two maps. The top map shows the countries which emit the most carbon dioxide per capita. So red is lots and blue is not a lot. And the bottom map shows the countries most vulnerable to climate change. Again, red is very vulnerable and blue is not very vulnerable. And you don't need to be able to see it in loads of depth. It's quite a crude comparison, but you'll see the maps are sort of in reverse. So the countries that contribute the most feel the consequences of environmental issues the least. So our response to that should be not to react just with our own well-being in mind, but the well-being and livelihoods of our global neighbours. So a simple way to do that is just to remind ourselves that we are interconnected and we live in a globalised society and we are very connected to other places. And we're going to try that out right now with one little example. There are loads of ways we could do this. This is just for fun, just to prompt us to think about the places we're connected to. So in a moment, when I stop speaking, I'm going to ask you to have a look at a label of something, maybe something that you're wearing or something you have with you, uh, and find out where it was made, just to see which countries we're connected to this evening. Off you go, have a little look. Um, I just heard Andy say he thinks his top's made in heaven, and sometimes I've done this activity at school, Pakistan, Pakistan thank you, and done exactly that, and been like, we're so globalised, and then checked my own label, and it's been the United Kingdom, which goes badly, but mine is the Mauritius, Any, a few other countries, let's just hear a few, India, India China, China. Vietnam, great. Um, I'm sure there'll be more if we went through that in loads of depth, but um, you get the idea. And you know what? We could do that with loads of things. We could do that with food that we've eaten today. We could think about just one item like a phone and find out where all the parts of it are made and all the places that are involved in its production. And it is a geography activity, especially if you go and find out where the countries are on a map afterwards. Um, but also, it acts as a reminder, doesn't it, about how connected our lives are. I think it's easy to go through the day and not think about who we're connected to, but actually our lives are dependent on the livelihoods of strangers. Um, and so it's good to consider that. We can be merciful, we can love mercy when we make an effort not to contribute to air pollution. We can be merciful when we choose to pay more for goods made by brands who ensure their workers are paid a living wage. We can be merciful by making sure that what we recycle actually can be recycled because it's clean and it's the right thing and therefore doesn't get dumped. We can be merciful by doing a quick litter pick on the beach to make sure the litter doesn't get into the ocean. These actions individually may not be world-changing, 
but they bring about the idea and remind us that the choices that we make have the potential to cause harm to others. And that's what loving mercy is all about. And lastly, we get to the instruction to walk humbly. Oh, we'll go to this one. Um, to walk humbly. So the dictionary definition of humble is to have a low estimate of our own importance. And the other two kind of help us to do that, don't they? If we're trying to act justly and loving mercy, we are putting the importance of other people above ourselves, which is a really good thing. But this instruction is really about humbling ourselves to God as well and making him more important than our own wants and desires. And again, I think that we can bring the, come to this with a kind of environmental lens or a, a creation lens. And one of the ways we can do this is practicing the discipline of living more simply. I think in our culture, we've become increasingly aware that living simply and in a less consumeristic way can bring benefits. For example, there's a whole show on Netflix about decluttering your house. Um, but also, at the same time, our economy is driven partly by encouraging overconsumption on a big scale. And so it's difficult for us to escape that. And this isn't about feeling guilty about purchases that we've made at all, but thinking about how this principle of living more simply might help us to walk humbly with God and get our own position in better perspective. So this includes our consumption and what we buy. It's hard, isn't it, now that you can pay for things with one click or with your phone. It's harder to say no to our impulses, maybe to buy things. Um, pausing before purchasing is tricky, but we should try and do it. It's a powerful tool. Consider what we really need as we buy. We think about how we can make our own belongings last longer, repair things, buy secondhand, or just borrow things to help us reduce what we consume. It's not just about what we buy, though. There's other ways that we can consume. So one is thinking about what content we consume, TV and music and news and media, and we could spend our whole lives consuming it. There's so much available but choosing to take a break is also part of this idea of living more simply. Um, I don't know about you, but when it was lockdown, I did more walking and cycling because you were only allowed to go once a day, so we all went once a day. Now, don't do that anymore. Um, and I often like to listen to music when I'm out running or a podcast, but try to have some days where I don't put anything in my ears just so that I can appreciate what's around me and notice things and take a little bit of time, think about the sounds and the sights and the smells and celebrate them a bit. And that is kind of what living simply, the discipline of living simply, if you like, means. It means making some choices that avoid us kind of over-consuming. This um, little cute thing is a different example. Maybe you've heard of this concept of, I think it's pronounced huga. Um, it's a Danish concept of like warmth and coziness, um, embracing that in simple ways, like making a hot drink and really enjoying it, or um, intentionally spending time with your friends, doing something lovely. Uh, and again, the idea is that we sort of slow down and um, to notice things, give us more space to notice um, what's going on in our lives. But as Christians, that means we have more space to notice and think about um, the provision that God gives us in our lives. A little example for me, Ella shouted out Refilled earlier. If you don't know, that's our zero-waste shop in town. And... Um, I like to go to refill. They're really helpful there. And if you like, you can take your pots in and they'll just fill them up for you while you go shopping, which is very nice. But I try to fill them up myself, partly because then I do less shopping. Um, but also because I really like the way that it makes you slow down and think about what you're purchasing. You are thinking through, what am I actually buying? What am I filling my pots up with to purchase here? And that is sort of all about living simply. 
thinking about that, how we can live simply, can help us to make more space for God in our lives, and that makes God bigger and our own importance smaller. It might not feel like the natural thing of walking humbly, but I think that these concepts of kind of living in a more simple way can really help us to make more space for God in our lives. So I've talked about those three sort of concepts, um, act justly, and we talked a little bit about that idea of sustainability, that concept of sustainability, and how that might help us to act justly. Um, We've talked about loving mercy, and how our actions have a global impact, um, and uh, how, how we can consider that, and also about walking humbly, that idea of living simply, and how that might create more space for God in our lives. So I've spoken a bit, and I'm going to give you a chance to maybe digest and think about some of these ideas. So I have three questions, which I'll show you in a moment, and you can have a think about them on your own, or if you want to talk to somebody near you, you can do that as well. And then in a a couple of minutes, Andy's going to help me with the microphone, and we're going to maybe hear some takeaways. It doesn't have to be an answer to the question. It could just be something else that struck you. Um, But we'll do a little bit of feedback and takeaway afterwards. So here are the questions. Um, How does the concept of sustainability help you understand God's call to act justly? And sustainability, I'll just read the definition to you again, uh, is meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Second one is, are there ways you can think about your global connections in a meaningful way to help you to practice loving mercy? And the third one is, what simple living practices could you introduce to help your daily walk with God? So are there things you could do that would help you live more simply to give you more space, um, create more space for God in your day-to-day life? You might just want to pick one. You might go through all of them. I don't mind. I'll give you a few minutes to have a think or a chat, and then we'll... Here are a few thoughts. <laughs> 